There's something about sitting around the campfire with some friends and family telling spooky stories to freak everybody out. Well, these subscribers sent in their allegedly true and creepy horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share, be sure to send yours in at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Now, be sure to slap that like button, subscribe if you're new, and get ready for these creepy and allegedly true campfire horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. I believe something evil has let itself into my home. By Katie. I believe something evil has let itself into my home. This story continues as new events happen every day. I live with my boyfriend up in the Appalachian Mountains. I've been in between jobs since moving in, so I'm just alone with our cat, Mimi, during the day and for the most part of the evening. Last week, I was doing some chores around the house, cleaning it up after a recent party we had. After deep cleaning everything, I took a shower to get all the grime off of myself. While I was in the shower, I could have swore I heard stomping and banging. I paused to listen closer, but I thought it could have just been the cat running around. After leaving the shower, I forgot about the noises I had just heard. I went downstairs in my towel to suddenly feel the cold living room. I looked on the couch to see Mimi lying on a blanket, and just behind her I could hear the blasting sounds of crickets, which I thought was kind of bizarre. I walked around the corner to see our front door was wide open. I knew I had locked that door this morning after my boyfriend left for work. Oddly enough, the door still had the lock position on, but there it was, wide open. I was paranoid for the next couple of hours, thinking of what could have opened the door. I did multiple sweeps around the house to see if there was an intruder inside, but there was no trace of anyone but myself. By the next day, I shrugged it off thinking maybe the door jam was somehow open, I don't know. Once again, I was alone, eating my breakfast on the couch when I heard a loud thump and noise. At this point, it sounded like something was dragging. It sounded like it was right above me, upstairs. I paused the TV and listened. I heard nothing. My heart started thumping faster, but I continued having breakfast and tried to brush it off. I continually heard thumping, stomping, shuffling, and dragging noises upstairs for the next few days. As a spiritual person, I am open to the possibility of ghosts and spirits. Yesterday was the most bizarre day by far, showing me that if it was a spirit, they are becoming more assertive in more, more ways than one. Yesterday was the same day-by-day -day chores and task, but the presence of some spirit was more evident than before. I heard thumping upstairs again and saw a white, translucent, foggy apparition drifting through the hallway. I was frozen and shook my head in fear, trying to wrap my head around this reality. The figure looked to be half of a person with a long dress or coat on. I only saw them for just a split second, and I tried to take in as much detail as I could. I was so paranoid that I left the house to go into town for a while, thinking a change in scenery would help. When I returned home, I noticed half of my Halloween and autumn home decorations were lit up. I was perplexed, since the ones being turned on were operated by an on and off switch, and I knew I had turned them off the night before. Later in the evening, I heard footsteps at the top of the stairs, as I was in the kitchen, which had a clear view of the first few steps. I saw no shoes or any physical image, but the noises continued. I tried to make dinner in peace, but I heard the strangest noise again. It was the distinct sound of water turning on and running upstairs, and after about five seconds it abruptly turned off and shut off the faucet entirely. I was on the defense and ran upstairs to check the bathroom above the kitchen tub and sink were absolutely bone dry, and the toilet didn't flush since there wasn't any water refilling and running. I stood there in silence, trying to figure this whole thing out. This morning, I thought about these encounters, and what could be an explanation. I looked more into spiritual beliefs and thought about how everything started after the door was open. I am aware of the folklore around the Appalachian Mountains, which leads me to believe that something welcomed itself into my home. 
I firmly believe that an entity or spirit led itself inside since I wrongly put up a welcome sign, and since then it's making itself known in our home. Every day it's getting more apparent that something unseen is inside. Knowing I let something into my home on accident, and with it getting stronger, I know I'm, I must make it leave and never return. So I'm going to have somebody come bless the house, and I'm hoping that's going to be enough. I'll update you in the future. Thank you for sharing my story. The Man Under the Stairs by Lazy G We have just moved into a new house. It backs onto a country park so our garden is not overlooked by other neighbors. Just tall trees and wildlife. At the other side of the road, however, they have just started to build a brand new estate and there is heavy machinery turfing up land that has laid dormant for many years. My, my home does not really look haunted. It's not dark and gloomy, it's actually quite the opposite. It's light, airy, and spacious. Just right for my husband, myself, our two children, and our dog. We love it. As I was cleaning my house one Saturday, I noticed a figure in my peripheral vision. I stopped dusting and looked open to the open kitchen door. A tall man in a long coat was standing by my sun lounger, with one foot up on it looking into the distance as I thought as I thought he probably was deep in thought himself I blinked and looked again and I swear I didn't even look away and suddenly he was gone I shouted for my son who was upstairs put my cleaning stuff down and headed towards the open kitchen door but by the time I got out there there wasn't a single sign that anyone was ever there I headed out to the side of the house which has a long passageway leading to a gate he wasn't there either. He couldn't have gone through a locked high gate or over the back fencing so quickly that I missed him. He just entirely disappeared. My son came running out with his weapon of choice, which was apparently a hand whisk. Yeah, so I guess we would have been in good hands. I laughed at it though. I asked him if he was going to bake our intruder a cake, so he slopped off back to his room. In the next few weeks, I kept seeing shadows out of the corner of my eye that disappeared upon further investigation. Nobody else ever would see these things, and they always rolled their eyes in disbelief when I told them. We have security cameras around the house, and we review them every single day. The last footage that I saw was kind of weird. There was a loud banging and knocking in the passageway leading to the gate, but there was absolutely nobody there. Then you can hear a raspy whisper. We are both undecided on what it's saying. We don't know if it's saying morning or warning. We sent it to the rest of the family who said it was weird. Myself and my sister went to the medium in the next town over, and without even prompting anything, she said that I had moved into a new house, and a gentleman who had resided on the land previously had found his way back through all the excavation and building processes being done. Of course, the man had died years ago, but couldn't find his way to the spirit world. Of course, my hair stood on end, especially as she was said to be sad and lost and hiding in the cupboard under my stairs. My family thinks I'm totally mad, but I'm going to try and get a paranormal expert to come in and help them move on. I feel so sorry for them. I hope this can be done and they find some peace. I'll update you when I found someone I trust to help me. I didn't sleep that night. Bye. L. I live in New Mexico, Las Cruces, New Mexico to be specific. When I was about 14 or 15 years old, my mother and I would stay home alone since my father worked nights. Every night was calm and we never really had any type of issue, until one night we each went to our rooms to get ready for bed. The house was completely dark and the only sound that you could hear was the sound of the ceiling fans. It was already around 11.30 p.m., and I was very sleepy, so I decided just to try and sleep when I lay down and cover myself. I heard something strange on the window. It almost sounded like some sort of loud crying, like a baby was being tortured. I was so scared, all I could do was hide under my covers. The crying lasted about five minutes, followed by some type of scratching noises on my window. 
Then I heard what sounded like something coming to my room. I was freaking out because I was really hoping it would be my mother at this point. And sure enough, it was her. She asked if I was hearing these noises and if it was me making them. I of course told her I had heard them and it was not me. It was super loud and suddenly it began tapping on my window even more. We were both confused and we decided not to try to fight where the sound was coming from. But just then, when she was about to go back to her room and turn off all the lights, we heard another loud noise. Again, it sounded like the crying, but this time it almost sounded like it was a demonic chorus or something. That night we did not sleep, and in the morning we explored outside by my window. There were some small prints of something, but it was hard to say from what. I still get chills when we think about this story. There's just something wrong about that house. The Honey Island Rougarou by Boudreaux Hi Swamp Dweller, my name is Boudreaux, and I was born and raised in the Honey Island Swamp, one of America's most extensive and wild swamps, still mainly uninhabited. The Honey Island Swamp is located roughly about 30 minutes away from the famous New Orleans, which would explain the many encounters with voodoo, witchcraft, and just creepy stuff that lurks out in the Cypress Swamps. I have many stories of mine and my father that I would like to share for the future, but let's go where it all started. I grew up on a shack built upon a pontoon due to the unexpected changes in the water levels on the West Pearl River, and we lived off the land eating whatever we could catch, hunt, or anything in between. Normally this included things like turtles, crawfish, alligators, snakes, raccoons, and so much more. These were the times before the ever-expanding suburbs and the swamp tour boats were encroaching so we could live in peace without being judged. But this also meant that the wildlife and other unexplainable things were more likely to take place. By the time I was 10 years old, I would run our small crawfish boat, or Pirouge, deep into the swamp to check out our crawfish traps or trot lines, so I could help put food on the table for my parents and our four siblings. On this particular event, I took the small, motorized crawfish boat north towards the Bouge Chiteau to check out a few trot and jug lines and maybe shoot a few animals from the ship for food. My motor was killed when I finished making my rounds through the sloughs and inlets. As luck would have it, I had no form of paddle on board, and the strong current of the Pearl River was pulling me downstream. Still, luckily, I pulled ashore before I hit any bad jetties. As I made my way ashore, I tried to figure out what was wrong with the motor. It was from the early 50s, so it could just be that it was old. After an hour of rest with no luck with the engine, the sun began to set and I wasn't too worried, for I've spent many nights in the swamp alone, which may not be ideal or even scary to others, but that's not a big deal. I was sure my father would come up the river to look for me once sun was up. I found a little bit of high ground a few feet off the river and climbed up a tree because one place you do not want to sleep is on the floor in a swamp. If a gator or a snake doesn't find you, the fire ants will. And I had been asleep in the old oak tree for a few hours until an unearthly howl awoke me. It didn't sound like the typical owl or coyote. We don't have wolves in South Louisiana unless they're in a zoo. The howl startled me because of how stressed and deep it sounded. It also sounded very close. My young mind began to race thinking about the stories of the Rougarou my mother would tell me to behave. This large wolfman would eat the bad children up if they didn't act well, which to me now is a child version of what it is. The Rougarou is the result of some evil witchcraft or voodoo or evil spirit that haunts the swamps and bayous of South Louisiana in the form of a wolfman. Ten minutes after the terrifying howl, I began to hear the shuffle of the briar bushes near the base of the tree and I prayed that it was a small rodent of some sort, but it was the complete opposite. The midnight moon lit the creature up as it stepped out into the clearing not only 15 feet in front of me. It was about 6 feet tall with long hair and yellow eyes. This thing, whatever it was, stood on two legs, and the stench it let off was similar to that of a wet dog mixed with a skunk. I do not know if the creature saw me, but I felt it could smell or maybe hear me. 
I was frozen in fear, daring not to make a noise after what seemed like a lifetime of the creatures stalking around the base of the tree. I could see a faint light and hear the roar of a boat coming up the river. The creature seemed scared of the raft and was gone by the time I looked back down. I jumped 15 feet from the oak tree, spraining my ankle in the process, and ran back to the boat as fast as possible to wave down the oncoming ship. I safely returned home that night and was terrified to enter the swamp alone with or without proper equipment. I learned that the swamp holds much more than we know, for it is the unexplored areas that these creatures live. Today, 30 years later, many locals still call that animal that many have claimed to see the Rougarou or the Honey Island Swamp Monster. Still, I can tell you, it's just one of the many unexplainable things I have witnessed inside the swamp. Thank you for listening to my story. If you enjoy it, there will undoubtedly be more about the Honey Island Swamp. My Michigan Dogman Encounter by Ellie D. Hello, Swamp Dweller. I have listened to your videos for about four years now, so I decided to share my Dogman story. I will give some background detail on this story to start. To start, I am a 13-year-old female. I live in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan around the Morsing Marquette area. And a side note, I live on Native American land far back in the woods. This story took place in about mid-August this year. I had invited one of my friends over. At the time, she lived on a road we call Old Indian Town Road. I'm not a native, but have always felt some spirituality like natives. I consider myself a psychic. So my friend, who I will call Chloe, was doing teenage everyday things. Eventually, she got bored and we decided that we would go and see some cool things by ourselves. We got on our bikes and decided to ride them around. I am the most athletic of my friends. I play many sports and work out daily. Eventually, we met up with some other friends and got tired of riding up and down the short road we lived on. It got to the point where only three of us remained. In the beginning, there were around 8 or 9 of us in total. At this point, it was around 9.30pm, I have always been terrified of the dark. So, at this given point, I started to get uneasy naturally. I wouldn't say I liked being surrounded by thick woods on either side at 10 o'clock at night either. So, we started making our way back up the road. The road is on a relatively steep hill, steep enough to where most people can't bike up without the struggle, even myself. I bike frequently but I was tired from biking all day, so I strolled up the hill with my youngest person in the group right beside me. She started to get uneasy as well. The other friend was far behind us. He isn't a believer in anything supernatural. He was at the bottom of the hill and we were near the halfway point. Suddenly the hair on the back of my neck stood up. I thought I was being paranoid at first, until I had the sudden strange feeling to look to my right. I suddenly snapped my head in that direction. My friend from behind me was looking down, talking to me about something, so she didn't notice me stop. We were on the far left of the road, and on the right there was a drop that ran down very far, deep into the woods. Very tall pine trees were filling that deep trench. The woods were so thick you couldn't see the ground in the makeshift track. When I looked over though, I saw a tall skinny figure looking at me while clinging to one of those incredibly tall pine trees. It almost looked like an emaciated werewolf, but worse than its appearance was what it was doing. It swayed back and forth in the tree, almost like a big cat, with large, orange eyes blinking at me occasionally. That's when my friend noticed I had stopped. She asked me what was wrong, and I didn't say anything. I didn't want to freak out anyone. I just started walking even faster. My guy friend was still at the bottom of the hill. My other friend and I were almost at the top. I had the worst feeling continuously washing over me. My guy friend finally noticed how far ahead we were and booked it to catch up with us. When we returned to my house, I told them what we saw. The girl behind me agreed that she didn't see what I saw but definitely felt uneasy when she saw me looking to the right and then speeding up. Nothing more happened that night but the next day I was walking over to my next door neighbor's house. I was walking over to the girl who was with me when it all happened. That day, she and I rode our bikes and talked about it the night before. It was a lovely day, so we rode our bikes until the sunset again. At one point, I went back to my house to grab something. Walking on the trail to get to her house, I got hit with a sense of dread. That's when she met me, and she started running with me because she felt it too. 
When we broke out of the tree line into her backyard, we heard a scream that sent us bolting toward her house. And that concludes my story. The Thing in the Snow by Dr. Knoll. To preface this, I am an avid hunter, and this is not my first time nor my last weird encounter I've seen while hunting. This encounter happened two years ago in December, and now on to the story itself. I went out hunting. I was hoping for a giant buck this day. On the drive to the spot where I parked my truck, I saw something, and it was truly odd. It was snowing out, so I could not see all that well, but I could have sworn I saw an outline of a person on a hill looking at me. It was my friend's land. It was private property, so no one should be here, but he let me and a few of our friends hunt here from time to time. So it was odd to see someone none of us knew were supposed to be here, and I was the only one of my friends who were supposed to be hunting today, I definitely made sure of that. I was thinking, sure, maybe somebody got lost, but there is so much signage that says this is private property, you'd have to be dumb to not see it. And it was so early in the morning, I figured it has to be somebody who doesn't have the greatest intentions. Anyway, I wasn't that worried, so I just parked my car and got out to my tree stand. I was there for a couple of hours, and I did not see a thing. I was waiting for something to walk by as the forest started to fall silent. And if you are a hunter, and pretty much anyone, you would know that if that happens, it's never a good sign. But then I saw the perfect deer walk in front of me. It was alone, and it was running, which was not all that uncommon, but it was frail looking. I did not fire at it at first. I just watched it. I looked behind it, and something jumped on it. A white human-looking creature. I clutched my rifle and looked down my sight for a better look. But it must have heard me. It looked up at me and smiled the most blood-chilling smile I have ever seen. I fired at it. It missed and hit the ground. It seemingly jumped back, freaked out, hissing at me. It started twitching and raising its head. And then, everything suddenly like froze. It froze in the air like something had happened. I could feel the utter malice this thing had for me. I reloaded as fast as possible and fired again, this time in this thing's chest. It fell again, but this time it did not get back up. I sat there for at least an hour. I dared not move in fear that this thing would get back up. Eventually, I got the energy to run back to my car. I got back in my car and drove away and did not look back. I don't know what that thing was. I've never seen it again, and I've never gone back. That's No Deer by Mickey L. My name is Mickey. I have no other explanation for this story, so I thought I'd share it here. I just turned 16 years old and decided on my birthday to stay and visit my sister, who lives in Cleveland, which is about an hour's drive away from my hometown. I had been there for a few days already, and since my birthday is on the 23rd of June, the 4th of July is right around the corner. I had been upstairs in the attic for a few days sleeping, playing GTA, and doing some other things to keep me occupied because I had nothing else to do since I couldn't drive yet and my sister was at work most of the time. One night, my sister Morgan and her boyfriend Nate were sitting downstairs in the living room watching TV when Nate asked if we wanted to go to this secluded park and light some fireworks off. I immediately said sure because I had nothing better to do and I knew some of the parks were secluded from the big city from Cleveland. So. After about an hour of persuading Morgan to go, we all jump into his car. It's about 75 degrees out and it's about 1.30 a.m. It's a relatively nice night. We were driving for about 15 minutes when we finally reached this park. We are going down this giant hill when it suddenly gets exceptionally dark. There's no light pollution and no other artificial light. Just what you can see from the headlights. We're driving for 10 minutes when I see a deer on the side of the road, which is typical for a wooded park, right? I look out my window and for a brief second, I see what looks like a giant deer face with glowing yellow eyes jerk behind this tiny tree and disappear entirely. I don't usually get freaked out by deer, but something about how fast it moved and how it just disappeared made me feel unsettled. It just looked wrong and I'm pretty sure deer's eyes shouldn't be glowing that way. We finally arrive at a parking lot facing a giant field and the other side being woods. I still had a very unsettling feeling that I could not shake off. When we got out of the car, I noticed it had gotten cold outside. 
which doesn't make sense because it was just warmer out a minute ago. I felt a noticeable chill. I was leaning on the car and my sister's boyfriend went to set up his firework. I still felt we needed to leave, but I couldn't shake off this feeling, so I told my sister that we should hurry up and go because I felt weird. My sister, stubborn, just said to me that I have too much superstition and need to chill out. I watched the fireworks go off and we all looked at the stars for a little bit. After getting in the car, we sat for a bit when I heard branches breaking and heavy footsteps. The feeling I had before worsened, so I told my sister and boyfriend we really had to get home. I noticed off in the tree line that there looked to be a deer, but there was something off about this deer. From what I could tell from the silhouette, it was standing on its hind legs, just staring at us, seemingly trying to hide behind a tree while doing so. We eventually started driving off. Once we all got home, I still felt off about what I saw. I couldn't shake that feeling either. There was no way a deer had a big face like that. There was no way it could stand on its hind legs just staring at people for such a long time. The feeling I got was not expected. Afterward, I went upstairs to my attic room where my sister and I watched TV. I like to leave my windows open because the breeze from the lake feels good at night. I also like listening to the traffic and crickets and occasionally, you can hear the birds early in the morning. It was about 3.30 to 4 when my sister and I were sitting there and I told her what I saw. She shook it off and told me I had probably just seen a deer. Then I noticed outside that I didn't hear anything. It was just quiet. That isn't normal at all for Cleveland and not the peaceful quiet, the eerie type of quiet. Then I heard a very loud whistling coming from different parts of the neighborhood. I thought there was no way a human would be whistling that loud. It just emanated from so far but never lost its volume, let alone it was coming from all different directions at the same time. I closed the curtains and asked my sister if she heard it and she replied with, What are you talking about? I don't hear anything. Then the unsettling feeling set in again and my stomach sank. I didn't sleep a wink that night. I still don't know what I saw that day, nor what was whistling, but I'm hoping that I never have to see it again or hear it again. The Creature of Mirror Hollow by Eliza C. Thunder roared across the sky. The loud booms echoed overhead like a giant strolling through the area amidst the rain which tapped on the windows like claws prying their way into the safety of the cabin. I was stranded, alone in the darkness of the wooden shelter. I found myself in a precarious predicament. I didn't get much time before the storm hit. It was so sudden, you may even say it was bizarre. The last thing I remember before it all started was I had walked off the path to a side trail to forage for some stuff I had seen on TikTok that might be in the area. However, I noticed something was off. The trees, they just weren't right. I couldn't put my finger on it at first, but as I walked on, it hit me. None of the trees were different here, all completely symmetrical, almost as if someone copied and pasted one all over this part of the forest. Only then did I notice the sky. Inky black clouds blotted out the sun in an array of unnatural shapes and the thick foliage overhead made it hard to see, but my visibility dropped to near blindness. I knew I had to find shelter and fast, but I didn't know where I was anymore. My only hope was the trail, which thankfully hadn't gone away yet. I didn't know where it went, but I knew it had to go somewhere, and indeed it had to end sometime soon. So that was my plan. I booked it full throttle down the trail. This was a mistake, as the first crack of thunder shook the sky with it came the tears of God, an immense downpour and the likes I had never seen before. I had only been running for ten minutes before my luck ran out, and I slipped into the wet earth beneath me. Falling hard and forward, a blinding white flash illuminated my downfall. I could see the cabin ahead of me, right before I ate a serving of mud pie. The shelter was within my grasp at last. I didn't get up right away though, and I think I regret that the most, because then I heard it. Among all the noises, one stood out as I rested my eyes. It was faint, but it was there. A wet slapping noise was quick, like bare feet in the mud headed this way but not on the trail. As it grew closer, you could hear the trees falling as they tore through the dense forest, each crash distant, rumbling the earth as if it was competing with the sky's voice. My heart fell ten stories in my chest as the threat was realized. I only came out here for some fungi, not for whatever this thing was. I tried quickly to get up, desperately trying to avoid slipping as I did, 
I hurried to the cabin as the sky and earth shook together in an elaborate song for the lightning to dance to. That thing drew near as I made it to the door. I prayed for the first time in my life that it wouldn't be locked, and to my amazement it was not. I ran through the doorway, slammed it, and I fell around the edge of the door and locked it in a panic and made sure all the windows were locked as well. As I heard the trees crashing just outside accompanied by that dreadful wet slapping, I, I almost thought I was too late. But I had found it. A latch. I couldn't help but chuckle as I realized just how little this would probably do. But I obviously locked everything regardless, as it could buy me just a second of time. After I had an opportunity to get my bearings together, I turned away from the door as another flash illuminated the interior through a nearby window. There was a table upside down in the middle of the room. Everything was coated in a thick layer of dust, and chairs were knocked over and astray. There appeared to be no other furniture and only two rooms, the second being the bathroom. There was no food, water, or any sign of life. I could only wait out the storm and hope that that thing doesn't find me here. That brings us to where we are now, suffocated in the blackness inside the far corner of the cabin. The tension in the air as thick as I desperately racked my brain for an idea. My thoughts were interrupted by terror as a loud slam made the door shudder, followed by a horrible scream. It was so shrill I had to cover my ears. I, I thought they might explode. My head was pounding as it ceased its screaming. Not waiting for a second assault on my ears, I quickly checked for a bathroom. Maybe it'd have a small window I could climb out of. Unfortunately, the window in the main room was close to the door and I knew I couldn't outrun that thing. I couldn't let it see me leave the cabin. I entered the bathroom instantly. Seeing a lack of any window, I wanted to give up and cry, but there had to be something, anything. I returned to the main room just as quickly as I had left. I screamed. My voice filled with terror and despair as I saw it. A bright flash lit up just enough to catch a glimpse of it as it stood crouched outside the window peering in. Its empty black sockets devoid of life but filled with rage. It was a deer skull, no doubt. It wasn't too tall, and its anatomy was all wrong, almost broken as if it were in agony and its bones were screaming. It radiated death, and I was frozen in its cold stare. In the corner of my eye, I noticed a fireplace as another flash illuminated the room, but the creature had disappeared at this point, and I knew it couldn't be far, only trying to find a way in. So I dove for the fireplace. After being snapped out of my days, it was my last option. I didn't give it good odds. Part of me already dug a grave for myself in my mind. I didn't get far inside before the sound of wood splintering shattered any hope I had left. The door flew off its hinges against the back wall, the creature audibly slamming into the wall with it probably having jumped full force into it. I made sure to tuck my feet in amongst all the commotion, but my breathing panicked and I had difficulty calming myself down. I was sure it would find me, as I could hear the wood groan under the weight of each step it took as it searched around. One heavy thud after the other, slow and deliberate. Each one sent an icy chill down my spine. Then the smell hit me. It must have been just in front of the fireplace. It smelt like earth and rot with the metallic blood smell mixed in. It was putrid like a decaying corpse in a shallow grave. But it was much worse. My throat felt ticklish. The stench was too much and I couldn't hold it any longer. I gagged hard, spitting up below. It snarled and its maw snapped with a primal hunger as it shoved its head inside the base of the fireplace. I screamed in horror as hot tears steamed down my face desperately trying to go up further in the fireplace. As I thrashed, I managed to make it about five feet up the chimney, but it, too, was trying to cram its massive frame inside. My muscles were sore and I was tired. I felt like giving up as I watched it well. I sobbed and screamed, my arms and legs were shaking under the strain as I pressed hard against the inside of the chimney. Finally, I felt my consciousness begin to fade under the stress as I looked down at the creature, its vicious snarling and biting never ceasing as it seemingly got closer and closer and that's the last thing I remember before I fainted inside the chimney. I thought that would be the last time I'd ever be alive, however I woke up which was a surprise. I didn't think that was possible. If I were dead, which I without a doubt was, but no, I wasn't to my dismay. I had got stuck in the chimney, so I had never fallen when I fainted. It must have given up at some point, but not without much effort. Bricks had been completely torn away, and it still wasn't enough to reach me. And for that, I'm grateful. But there was still a problem. I was still stuck in the chimney, and the cabin was abandoned. No one would be coming here purposely. I didn't even know where it was. Was there even hope for an escape in this strange forest of identical trees? Or was I doomed as soon as I went off the main trail? I really can't tell. 
I'll only be able to live so long stuck in the chimney without food or water. I've been trying to get unstuck for about an hour now, and my phone is about to die. So I'm finished writing this as not a send-off, but a warning. If you find this phone, I beg you, please share my story. I'm sure you'll have a dreadful time reading it at first, so it's up to us. If you ever find this place in the forest where every tree is identical, turn back now. Don't be lured into its dark corners where the creature roams, waiting for you to enter its domain. Joshua Tree Not Deer by Anonymous I went to Joshua Tree National Park a few days ago in an Airbnb with three of my friends. The house was a nice size and had to be accessed by an unpaved dirt road. The closest place to us was maybe a mile or two away. All the homes in this area have private driveways. On one of our drives back from getting groceries, I saw an animal run away from our headlights very fast, but I couldn't quite make it out. I assumed it had to be a deer, or something along those lines because of how big it was. But all I had seen thus far were desert quails. That night, I dreamt that my friends and I were searching for something, and we were taking... And we were taken to a basement of all things, and it was full of all sorts of strange oddities. It was a small house with a red door. We went inside, but I don't remember what was there. This may or may not have anything to do with my experience. I read that dreams do often correlate with experiences, though. On one of the nights of our stay, we had a bonfire and did some stargazing. I had to pee at one point, so I went inside and was gone for maybe five minutes max. When my friend and I returned, my two other friends weren't sitting by the fire anymore. So I just sat and waited for a couple of minutes for them to come back. But I went inside to check on them eventually. But they weren't there either. We go back out and start calling for them and get no response. Instead, we hear coughing coming from the right side of the house, where the pool area was. We immediately knew it was our friend because they had been reserved. Our first instinct was to find and help them. At some points during our trip, we had gotten concerned that they were sick, but they ended up feeling much better. We start looking for them by the pool, but we call again and we get no response. But we do hear the same coughing, the same pitch, everything. It's almost like a mimic. It was the same cough maybe four or five times in a row. We thought our friend was throwing up or maybe smoking. Usually when we called for them though, they would answer immediately. Except for this time, there was just more coughing. The last time we called, they had finally answered and started coming around from the opposite side of the house from where we were. Unfortunately, the sounds of them walking and talking went from the left side of the house just seconds after we heard them coughing on the right side, and they were utterly oblivious to everything that was happening. They had no idea about the coughing, and didn't even hear us calling until they got closer to the house. As soon as I realized the coughing was a lure for us, it confirmed that something had been keeping an eye on us. Based on what I've read, I'm not sure if this is a skimwalker experience, a not-deer experience, or something similar. I'll answer any questions. I also need to know if I should go get cleansed. This can't be chalked up to hearing things because of weed. We all have high tolerances, and weed doesn't make you hear things. Anybody who says that has clearly never really smoked. We were both very aware, and I was probably the soberest. It was hushed, too. We had to turn off the music because we were talking. We ended up smoking later that night, and the friend we thought we heard coughing had such a soft cough that you could barely listen to it. The pitch of the coughing we heard specifically sounded like our friend, but as if it was stuck in their throat or throwing up. My Camping Trip by D. Perinit. This is a true story. As I was present for these events, had this not happened, I would have had difficulty believing this story myself. To this day, I can only tell this story or go... To this day, I can only tell this story or go into deep thought about the events of that day if I become somewhat shaken. It was the fall of 1984 in the upstate of New York in a small town called Scotchtown, a relatively rural part of the state. The cool weather hadn't yet set in, and it was still warm enough that my two friends, Brian and Mike, wanted to go camping. We were all 16 years old, and I had never been camping at that point. I was excited about the trip. That week after school, we went to the Army and Navy store and bought a surplus Army tent, some pots and pans, 
Brian purchased a lantern and both had bought old military K-Bar knives. We set out for our overnight camping trip that Friday after school. We had each told our parents we were staying at each other's house to avoid any problems the journey may cause with our parents. Friday after school, we all rode the bus to Mike's house, where we had all stashed all our camping gear for the trip. We gathered all the equipment and walked down the road farther into the county's rural parts. We had made this trek many times during the day, explored the wooded areas fairly extensively during the daylight, and we knew where we were headed. We walked about an hour into the countryside before cutting down a dirt road that led to a trail we had been on many times during our daytime explorations. However, we had never been out in these woods at night. We reached the trail opening at around 5pm and ventured into the forest. An old stone wall marks this trail. These walls are ubiquitous in the area and were used as property dividers when the area was first settled sometime in the early 1700s. The trail followed right alongside the wall for many miles and we could never find where the two separated. As we were walking into the woods, the wall was now on our left. The area we traveled to was a combination of dense patches of trees and vegetation and many more open regions with scattered trees. In these more open areas, we often came across stone foundations of homes that used to stand there and occasional headstones where early settlers had buried loved ones on their property. We walked for about an hour, and because the canopy of trees was very thick, it was starting to get dark. Still, light out, but dimming, so we thought it was best to stop before dark. We came upon a clearing to our right with a relatively large tree, and we could camp directly under it. To give an accurate idea of what our campsite looked like, standing in our campsite, if you looked forward toward the trail, it would be the trail, then the stone wall. On the other side of the wall, directly opposite our camp, was a giant oak tree about four feet in diameter, standing alone and a few scattered trees behind it, but it was a relatively open area. The oak tree was less than 20 feet from our campsite, and I had a clear line of sight of the tree and the field behind it. As it was dark, Mike and Brian wanted to grab some wood for a campfire and asked me to begin setting up the tent. They wandered out of sight to my left. I was facing the trail, and I could hear them rummaging for firewood. I proceeded to dump the contents of the canvas tent onto the ground, bent over, and started gathering the tent poles, and my following action changed my life forever. I glanced at the oak tree on the other side of the wall. What I saw still haunts me today. A solid black figure peering at me from behind the oak tree on the other side of the stone wall. I could best describe it as a shadow, solid black, and non-translucent. I could see its upper body as it leaned out from behind the tree, and the shadowed out hand on the front of it as if it were pulling itself out from behind. I was frozen with fear. That was the only time I have ever been frozen by anxiety. I stared at this thing for an eternity, however it couldn't have been more than 5 to 10 seconds. I didn't see this out of the corner of my eye, I was staring directly at it. Just then it slid back behind the tree, and instantly I heard Mike and Brian coming back toward me. I jumped up and yelled, guys, guys get over here. They came running and asked me what the matter was. I thought for a second and was embarrassed to tell them what I had seen. I said, there's someone behind that tree. I just saw someone behind that tree for sure. They both looked at me with a bit of a puzzled look and Brian replied, what are you talking about? We're in the middle of nowhere. I emphatically told them I had seen someone looking at me from behind the tree. We had been friends for many years and they knew I was not going to scare very easy. Mike said, all right, we charge the tree, Dave. You go right, and we'll go left. They pulled their knives out of their sheath they had on their belts, and I grabbed my pair of nunchucks. I was very much into the martial arts at the time, and had become very proficient with them as a weapon. We all three charged towards the trail, jumped the wall, and ran around the oak tree, but there was nothing. Nothing at all was there. There was no way anyone could have gotten away from there without us seeing them or hearing them. The tree stood alone. The ground was covered with leaves, and still, there was no sign that anything had ever been there. They laughed and joked, blaming this on my first camping trip jitters and how I was just a bit shaken. I knew what I had seen though, and I had never been so scared in my whole life, but the night was just getting started, and all I wanted to do was go home. Night fell, and as they went about their camping rituals, starting the fire, getting out of, getting out a pack of ground beef, and getting a pack of ground beef out that we had swiped from Mike's freezer to cook over the fire, I sat on a log quietly, terrified, still trying to process what I had seen earlier. We were there about three hours when we first heard something in the woods. 
Something was walking around our campsite just beyond the light of the campfire. Maybe 20 to 25 feet in the darkness behind where Mike and Brian were sitting. I was the first to ask. Um, guys, what is that? Brian answered. Probably just a deer. I replied. It definitely doesn't sound like a deer. It sounds like a person. It didn't sound like an animal. It honestly sounded like a human being was walking in the woods, and they weren't even trying to be quiet about it. They both insisted it was probably just an animal attracted to the smell of the food. I knew in my heart it wasn't an animal, still keeping the secret of what I had actually seen earlier. As the night wore on and the animal continued to walk back and forth behind our campsite, I could see it was beginning to bother Brian and Mike. Brian stood up with his lantern, took a short run towards the rustling and yelled, in an apparent attempt to scare off whatever was harassing us, he sat back down, and within a few months, and within a few minutes, the sound of the crunching leaves and snapping twigs resumed. The harassment continued for another 30 minutes at the very least, and Mike and Brian were now eerily quiet and visibly shaken. Back and forth, they walked beyond our view, crunching and snapping, crunching and snapping of the leaves and everything else in between. It was about 10 minutes later, and all of us were sitting quietly, trying to act as if nothing was wrong. When Brian suddenly jumped up, he grabbed a piece of the wood he had collected. It was about 14 inches long and thicker than the average man's forearm. He threw the wood directly at the noise in the dark. We heard it hit the ground. Brian sat back down again and confidently said, That'll scare it away. For a few short minutes, it was quiet. Then, just before we heard the walking in the leaves start up again, this time, it sounded like it only took a few steps and then stopped. We all sat there quietly, not knowing what to say, what to do, when all of a sudden we heard a whoosh of something cut through the air. The piece of wood Brian had thrown earlier came sailing over my head and hit the tree. I was sitting under this tree, and this was a strong blow because I felt the entire tree shake from the impact. It fell about 10 feet from me, so it must have bounced off a good way. I looked at Mike and Brian, who were white as ghosts, and asked, Do deer throw logs? We all sat there for no more than a minute, and the noise began to start back up. Brian finally spoke up and said, We can stay here all night, and I won't get a wink of sleep. Or... Mike jumped in. Let's get the fuck out of here. They jumped up, and Mike asked me to kick dirt on the fire as Brian lit his lantern. Mike and Brian then proceeded to break down the tent, which amounted to them ripping it down and rolling it into a ball. They quickly stuffed the poles and canvas into the bags, and I finished putting out the fire. We paid no mind to whether the noise continued. We were focused solely on getting out of there. We stood all packed up and not looking forward to the long hike out in total darkness. Brian decided he should take the lead because he had the lantern. Mike would be second in line and I would have to bring up the rear. Mike and Brian drew their knives and Mike looked at me and said, Dave, anything comes out of the dark? You crack it with those chucks. I slowly nodded and we began to walk out. The wall was now on our right as we began to make our way through the darkness. The lantern really did not provide much light at all, and Mike and I were almost in complete darkness, just following the light in front of us. At first, there was a foot or two between us, and we had been walking for about 15 minutes when I thought I heard something. The trail was worn and had only a few leaves. I had heard what sounded like walking on leaves on the other side of the stone wall in the darkness. I grabbed Mike's belt and grabbed Brian. All three of us stopped and we all huddled together. They asked what was wrong and I whispered, I think I hear right there, and looked to my right, indicating the darkness on the other side of the wall. We stood motionless, all of us listening and noticing, all of us listening intently and noticing nothing. Mike said, Listen, we're all freaked out. Let's get out of here. Brian and I nodded and we began walking out. Again, we walked another 10 minutes and I heard it again. This time I didn't stop. I leaned forward and whispered into Mike's ear, Listen. We slowed our pace for just a few seconds when Mike said, Oh crap, I hear it. Something was walking parallel to us on the other side of the wall. It was unmistakable. Walking in the leaves and only about five feet from us in the darkness. Walking in the leaves and only about five feet from us in the darkness. It was right there. It was almost like it could jump over at any minute and grab us. Mike grabbed Brian and we all huddled again. We both told him, It's right there. And looked into the darkness over the wall. We stood still for a moment and then all three of us heard something moving amongst the leaves. It was almost difficult to hear because my heart was pounding so hard. I thought it might explode out of my chest at any waking moment. I was experiencing pure terror for the first time in my life. 
Brian took his lantern and extended his arm over the wall, his knife in his other hand, at the ready. We could now see about ten feet on the other side of the border. All three of us stood there for a few seconds looking and we could see absolutely nothing. Then we heard it again, the leaves moving on the ground. The sound was right there, but there was nothing we could see. Brian said, let's get out of here, and we all s Brian started yelling that we should get out of here, and we still had about 40 minutes of walking ahead of us. We started walking again. The noise immediately started again. It kept pace with us, and it was apparent it wanted us to know it was there. Brian stopped and suddenly said, let's run as fast as we can for at least 30 seconds and stop and see what happens. We agreed, and off we went running as fast as our teenage legs would carry us. We stopped, out of breath, listened, and we heard it. Stomping in the leaves in the darkness on the other side of the wall, it was chasing us. We huddled together, ignoring the noise it was making more than a few feet from us in the dark. It sounded almost like pacing. Mike spoke first, asking, What are we going to do? Just then, a sinking thought came to my mind, and I spoke up. No one knows we're out here. We lied to everyone. They'll never find us. They both stared at me with blank expressions as the realization of how screwed we were sunk in. Brian said, Listen, in ten seconds, I'm gonna run out of here as fast as I can. Suppose you can keep up? Great. If not, I hope I see you tomorrow. With that, Brian was gone, and the only visible thing was the bouncing lantern moving through the forest. Mike and I followed the best we could. Mike was carrying the tent bag, and it was spilling its contents on the trail as we tried to keep up with Brian. We'd been stuck in the woods with no light source if we'd lost him. I tripped over the tent poles and the canvas tent, but never lost footing. We ran the entire way out, and when we reached the road, we all began throwing up. We snuck back into Mike's basement and that's where we slept. Those two returned the next day to collect everything we dropped on the trail, and I declined to go with them. They went back the following weekend, getting prepared with tripwires, flashlights, and machetes to prove something I never did. Even though I grew up hiking around those woods, since then I have not spent a night in the woods and have no plans to ever venture into a forest again. I never told them what I saw, but I know what I saw, and nothing will change that fact. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true campfire horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to elbow that like button in the face so it really feels it. If you're new to the channel, be sure to subscribe, it helps the swamp grow its ever-expanding waters. Don't forget to turn on notifications to never miss a new video as I upload them multiple times a week on all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp, and stories like yours to help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're on the go, but don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast and pretty much everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. Thank you guys so much for supporting the swamp the way you do. If you made it all the way to the end, I would love to know what story was your favorite tonight. Be sure to throw out the code word sparkling campfire to let me know you made it to the end. The funniest comment using sparkling campfire in it will be pinned at the top per usual. Thank you guys, see you soon, and I'll be back with another video.